and welcome to detention, where we think we're working for the Big Ten, but sadly we're not. I wish, man. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know if we'll get into it later. I don't think uh, they would ever pay us for what we want. No. <laughs> okay. All right. So, Cody, question for you. Um, did you hear the rumor about butter? I probably won't believe it. Oh, well, I'm not going to spread it then. Ah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Getting real bad with these dad jokes. Hey, but they're getting so good. Just wait until mine next week. I'm so excited. Yeah, Cody already told me that he had us picked out uh, a week in advance. Normally, I do mine a couple days, so he's very excited about <laughs> it. Okay, so we'll jump right into football here, um, starting with the Debo Samuel contract extension. Do you see that come out? Yeah, I saw that, yeah. So he agreed to a three-year contract extension with the 49ers after having a very kind of up-in-the-air offseason of who knows where he's going to be. I know John Lynch was saying that he would love for him to stay, and they'll do anything to make sure he stays. So looks like they did. I I can't say I blame them. Uh, Me either. Uh, This deal is worth a maximum value of $73.5 million over the next three years and includes uh, just over 58 of that million guaranteed. Um, He is the seventh whiteout this offseason to sign a deal worth of at least $24 million. Before this offseason, only DeAndre Hopkins had hit that mark. So all the way up until this time, only one player has, and then now, so far, we have seven this offseason. Well, and the thing with Debo Samuel, too, is that you said he's the third wideout, but if you look at Debo, he's not just a wideout. That yeah. dude was the Swiss Army knife that kept that team alive. Yeah. So, for me, this one is definitely worth the money because he's not only just a wide receiver. He played back. He played I'm pretty sure he played quarterback at some point in time. I think he threw it a couple times for, yeah, some trick plays, yeah. Yeah, this dude literally does everything you need him to do. So, yeah, this one's worth it, yeah. Um, Samuel became the first player since 1999 and the third in NFL history to have at least 1,000 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, and five rushing touchdowns in the same season. So, like you said, he is kind of the bell cow. Um, he averaged a league-leading 18.2 yards per catch and then 6.2 yards per carry last season while scoring a combined 14 touchdowns. Uh, he had 1,770 yards from scrimmage, ranking third in the NFL, and his eight uh, rushing touchdowns were the most by a receiver in league history. Uh, in the three seasons that he's been with the 49ers, He has had 167 receptions for just about 2,600 yards and 10 receiving touchdowns to go along with uh, 550 rushing yards and 11 touchdowns, and he's only played 38 games. That's super impressive. Yeah, so he's averaging combined about 80-some yards per game, I think is what I mapped it out, which is not extraordinary, but, I mean, if you are the person, especially last season, that put up a lot of those numbers – it's if they continue to use him like they've been using him, I think it's going to be gangbusters. Yeah. In a division that's already really tough. All right. Moving on into um, the next NFL news Patriots running back James White retires. How do you feel about that as a Pats fan? I was a little sad. Um, I actually did break down some of his numbers. Um, so James White was in the league for eight seasons. 
And he just looking at the stats, he didn't have the most amazing stats out there. But one stat that really, really does stick out to me in those eight seasons with 319 rushing attempts and 381 receptions, he only fumbled the ball one time, and it didn't really count because the Patriots retained possession. Possession. So he had what's that quick math? Six hundred and no, that's seven hundred flat times that he touched the ball, didn't drop it. Dude was like ball security for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's for sure the kind of back that you want, even if he isn't the most productive every single season. He's the definition of reliable, and I mean that's definitely a Big Ten Wisconsin running back for you. Yes. But, uh, I found this thing on Facebook that I wanted to bring up, and it's covering the Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons. I know you have some points on this, but this is what it said. It said, the Patriots don't beat the Falcons in Super Bowl 51 without James White. He had 16 targets, 14 catches, 110 yards, three total touchdowns, plus a two-point conversion, one of the greatest performances in Super Bowl history. And I remember watching that with a bunch of my friends, and we were down so much at halftime, and I'm the only Patriots fan there. Oh, not even just halftime. Going into the third quarter, you were I mean, still that down. sucked, too, yeah. but they were giving me shit so bad at halftime, hmm. and I'm sitting there just taking it all in because I'm like, you know what? We've been great for however long. It's fine. It's whatever. And let me tell you how sweet that victory was because I had, I think, 20 – to 30 different people who are all ganging up on me, getting like, oh, what'd you think about this? Huh? And then once Julian Edelman made that catch and all that stuff, I was rubbing in their fucking faces. I'm like, that feels so good. Eat that. It was insanity. So to go with those uh, records that you were just talking about, I shouldn't say records. He set three records in that Super Bowl where he had the most receptions, 14, out of the 16 targets that he had. He had the most points scored of 20 points with having those um, three touchdowns, which is also a uh, NFL record for the Super Bowl. Uh, he finishes his career, like you said. He doesn't have over- overwhelming numbers, um, but he did have a lot of receiving yards. So he has 381 receptions for 3,278 yards and 25 touchdowns in the regular season. Um as well as he rushed for uh, almost 1,300 yards on 319 carries, averaging four yards per carry in the regular season with 11 touchdowns. So like you said, he'll get you what you need, and they won three championships with him. Yeah. So he'll go into retirement um, after playing eight years, and all the luck to him in retirement. Absolutely. All right, jumping into basketball. The only news that I could really find that was really worthwhile in basketball I know we had mentioned Bill Russell passing the last time that we had talked, but the league did something that I thought was amazing. The NBA is retiring Bill Russell's number six jersey that he wore for the Celtics throughout the entire league. Nice. So no one's wearing number six ever again. What, what's LeBron James going to wear? I don't know. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> he out. Yeah, he can <laughs> figure you it go. out. Seven or five, something else. That's a low number. Yeah. Um, and then going into Iowa sports, um, we have uh, four Iowa players that are on watch lists starting off this season here, even though Iowa is not in the coaches' top 25 or the preseason 20, top 25. We should probably talk about that next week because that's annoying. Yeah. Um, so all three starting linebackers 
for Iowa are on the Buckus watch list, which is the list for the nation's best linebacker. So we have um, Seth Benson, Jack Campbell, and... Justin uh, Jacobs. Yeah, Justin Jacobs. Apparently, this is the only school in the country to have three players on the Buckus award list. So that's impressive. I don't think it's ever, but I think it's just this year that they're the only team. Yeah. Um, and then Riley Moss is named on the Jim Thorpe award uh, watch list. Does it surprise you at all that those four... Well, first of all, those four are on there. Second of all, that the only four that we have on preseason watch lists are all on the defensive side. No, it does not surprise no, me at all. I, the last time we ever had any type of player on an offensive watch list was probably Sean Green. Yeah. No one else. <laughs> um, so that does not surprise well, me. Linderbaum for best center. Okay. Yeah. But that's... But skill position. Skill position. Yeah. yeah. Um, it does surprise me that it's Riley Moss. Not I'm, me. Okay, so here's the thing. I, I know under, he's not the most I understand guy in the world. that he's good. Yeah. I understand that he's good. However, for whatever reason, I just don't think he should be on the list. Just I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I have that feeling. He is good and he has very low um catch percentage when it's thrown his way. I get it. I don't know why I feel like he shouldn't be on it. That's just me. I just disagree with you, but it'll be fine. Um also Iowa football sells out all their home games. Doesn't really surprise me because Iowa fans are loyal, really bad even if we suck. But yeah, I mean it's it, it was quick. It's it's quick that all seven games have been sold out, and it's the first time since 2011 that all home games have been sold out. I don't know if that would be like over the course of the entire season, all games are sold out, or this early. I don't know how they're measuring that up to the 2011, but yeah, it's. Good thing we're going to four games. Yeah, I mean, no kidding. Um, and then for Iowa basketball news, Iowa lands Price Sanford, who I have is no idea who that is. He's, um, from my understanding, a pretty sought after recruit for McCaffrey. Um, we weren't able to confirm this or not if whether he is related to the Sanford that just left. No, he's he's still there. He's a sophomore. He's a sophomore. Yeah. Peyton Sanford. Peyton. I thought he was the one that transferred out. Not that I know of. Oh. Didn't we talk about Sanford that transferred out to a different team? No. Oh. Not that I'm aware of. All right. Well, we're going to have to do our homework. We are going to have to do our homework. Man, two weeks off and we just drop the fucking ball on everything, don't we? Well, you just had to change it on us. Well, I thought I was doing the right, but I guess I'm doing the wrong. Um, He is a three-star... Six seven, one hundred ninety pound. I think just uh, power forward. Yeah, dude. Peyton Sanford still plays for Iowa. Does he? Okay. Yeah. Well, then I'm just fucking dumb. Yeah. Um, he had six total offers: uh, Clemson, Drake, Nebraska, Seton Hall, Washington State, and Iowa State. Well, he chose the right one there. Yeah, he stayed in state. He's from the Waukee, Des Moines area, so I know that is a player that. McCaffrey wanted to get, and they got him. So awesome. he must be worth something. Going into the big meet, this is why Eric and I should work for the Big Ten. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say there. Um, we have broken down what we believe to be the best uh, Big Ten realignment once USC and UCLA join the Big Ten. So I'm just going to go ahead and start first because I think there's – 
breaks off of mine and builds from it. Yes. So we don't exactly know how the Big Ten will look once they join. Uh, I've heard a theory that it's just going to be two eight-team divisions and that they're only going to play Big Ten teams for football at least. But we just don't know. So, like I said, we came up with our own division. So mine is broken up into four divisions with four teams each. Eric's is the same. It just differs a little bit. So my divisions would be the Rockies division, which would have UCLA, USC, Iowa, and Nebraska. And it's called that because <clears throat> it's separated by the Rocky Mountains. At least US, UCLA, USC, and Iowa, Nebraska are. So to me, that just made the most sense. Then we'd have the Lakes Division, which would be Michigan, Michigan State, Illinois, and Northwestern, all because they're right off of the Great Lakes. Then we would have the Plains Division, which would be Purdue, Indiana, Minnesota, and Wisconsin because they're more plainy, um, and they're the only ones left in the Plains, minus these people on the next division, which would make sense. And then we would have the Appalachian Division, which would be Rutgers, Maryland, Penn State, and Ohio State, which obviously would be separated by the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. The reason why I decided to put Iowa in the Rockies division, geographically, when you look at Iowa compared to Minnesota, Minneapolis is more west than Iowa City. But if you're looking at the division in itself, it would make more sense for Iowa to be there because Minnesota being in a division with Nebraska doesn't make sense, mainly because Iowa and Nebraska have rivalries with each other. And most of Minnesota's rivalries would be in their own division if you had them in the Plains division with uh, Wisconsin being the main one. And then how I would break up the season with 12 games in the season, you would have three non-conference games. Then you would each – then so, like, we're, let's just say with, we're going with Iowa. I would play each person in their division, so that's another three games, so that equals six – play one team from each other division, which equals nine, and then the, you have two more non-conference games to help play all your rivals. Um, so that's total of 11 games because Iowa and I think Ohio State or Michigan, Some I know Iowa has three rivalries. I, think no, I don't think anybody has more than three. No. So you would be able to play all three rivalry games and all that, and so then you're left with one game left. And that would just be each division leader would play another division leader. So each number one team in each division plays another one. And then the winner of those two games play in the Big Ten Championship. Yes. That is my realignment of the conference. Okay. Um, Yours is probably more plausible. And it would be if you were if we were to be working for the Big Ten and they had a board meeting of like we need to come up with how we're going to divide things up. If you gave your idea, they'd probably be more open to it. They'd be like, okay, we can probably throw that in. That sounds good. If I gave them mine, they'd be like, walk the fuck out. <laughs> um, mine is again somewhat based off of Cody's, where I also have four divisions with four teams in them. However, I'm not basing it off of geography. If College football is moving towards super conferences, which is what they seem to be doing, especially with including two teams from the Back 12 in the Big Ten, and then the SEC including two Big 12 teams last year. Um, I don't think it would be necessarily just okay to have a certain couple of schools always have to travel halfway across the country to start playing people in their own conference. I would have to have it so that all teams are having to do some type of lengthy travel 
that way it's not just a burden for the teams that were just added in my mind. So I would have four teams or in each division as well. I would have the Lake Prairie division, which would have Iowa, Michigan, UCLA, and Indiana. Um, I call it the Lake Prairie because Michigan and Indiana have the Great Lakes. Iowa is kind of the prairie, and UCLA is just the outlier. They had to fit in somewhere. That's where I threw them in. Um, I have the Mountain Valley division with Nebraska, Michigan State, USC, and Illinois, where you have more of the western side of Nebraska has uh, mountains, but a little bit more rolling hills. Um, there's a Sierra Nevada or the Sierra Nevada mountains that separate USC from the rest of these teams. So there'd be mountains there. Illinois is kind of a valley plain area. That's why I named it that. Central Plains, I have Wisconsin, Ohio State, Maryland, Northwestern, all because those are kind of more or less plain states and they're centralized within these kind of groupings of the Big Ten. And then I have the Big Forest Division with Minnesota, Penn State, Purdue, and Rutgers, um, calling it the Big Forest because Minnesota and Penn State have foresty eras in their states. Um, and they're just calling it the Big Forest because Rutgers is out by New York, big city New York. I just had to fill it with something. I didn't want to rip off Cody either for having his because his were more geographically based. Um, so for me, I would have a 13-game regular season with the last two You've games. we talked about this. It's the same season. I know, but it's just humor me here. Okay. Where the last two games would be specific towards the Big Ten tournament. So I would have two non-conference games with whatever they schedule for themselves based on the school. Uh, each team would then play all other teams in their own division. So you would have the two non-conference, and then you would play the other three teams in your division. So that comes to five games so far. Then I wanted to make sure that the trophy and rivalry games were protected as much as I could, with Iowa having, like you said, three, having the most out of pretty much any team in the Big Ten. Um, but then also kind of making it, well, other teams also seemingly have almost the same amount of rivalries, or you can make it seem like they do. Um, and kind of force rivalries. So then you would play, each team would play three rivalry games. Some of them are a little bit more contrived, like I said. They're not necessarily actually rivalries, but I had to fit them in somewhere where they're kind of fitting and they can at least somewhat make sense. Rutgers gets fucked because they're Rutgers and they're going to suck every year anyway. Um and then you would have three games a, a season that would be rotating from one of the other teams in the other three divisions. So, for example, Iowa would have two non-conference games. They'd play their rivalry games of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Nebraska every year. Then they would also have to play one team from the other three divisions on a three-year rotation. So then they would play either Michigan State, USC, Illinois – once every three years, Ohio State, Northwestern, and Maryland once every three years, and then Purdue, Penn State, and Rutgers once every three years. Then the Big Ten tournament would start, last two games, where your seeding in that tournament is based upon your rank in your division. So if Iowa finishes 8-4 and four, is third in their own division, then they would play in the seeding of the other third place spots in the other three divisions. So then you would have Iowa play whoever. If they lose, then they play for third or 
fourth spot within that seeding group, or they could play for first or second in that seeding group. And obviously, if you are in first place in your, in, in your division, you would have the four teams play in the semifinals. Whoever wins the semifinals between those four teams goes to play for the championship. The other two teams would then play for third and fourth spot overall in the conference. And then it would break down from that based on if you won your grouping of seedings kind going of out. the way how the Olympics does it with their medaling. Yes, it would be basically exactly like that. Um, and then that's how you would play out the Big Ten. Like I said, mine's not going to be accepted. <laughs> Mine would be laughed out the door. You put a lot more but, thought into yours than I did. I just looked at a map, and I was like, this makes the most sense. And I just thought about the games. I'm like, this also makes the most sense to me. Mine, and you're just like, I have a lot of free time. Uh, mine's unique. It is. It, it is completely unique, and no one would ever think about wanting to do that because it makes no sense. And if you guys actually are curious as to what his looks like, shoot us an email or something, and then Eric will just hop on Zoom and show you because – I had to see it firsthand, and I understand it now, but he has it all, like, done on a spreadsheet. So if yeah. you need to know what it looks like, I'm pretty sure he'll be more than happy to share it with you. Oh, yeah, I can share it with you. If you have Google Sheets or a Google account, I can share it with you, just not give you editing rights so you can see it. <laughs> all right, moving into news and politics. Let's do it. Um, since we were gone for two weeks, obviously a lot has happened. Yes. But we're only going to focus on, I think, kind of the – Biggest things that had happened, obviously one of them being former President Trump was raided by the FBI at his home at Mar-a-Lago. When I saw that, I kind of laughed out loud a little bit. Yeah. It made me giggle. I mean, it was bound to happen. So on Monday, August 8th, his home was raided by the FBI. Um, The raid was approved by warrants issued uh, to retrieve documents that had apparently been stolen from the White House after he was elected out of office, which is not news. We knew that once he had left office that there were reports going around that he had taken several documents with him. It's not common. Presidents don't do that. Um, However, he did. presidents have honor yes and um but he did um because of those actions law enforcement is now investigating whether or not former president trump uh is being um investigated for removal and destruction of records obstruction of an investigation and violating the espionage act um a list of items removed from the property shows that the FBI recovered seven, or sorry, 11 sets of classified documents during the search, including some top secret documents that should only have been available in special government facilities. Um, FBI agents recovered one set of documents that was labeled various classified, top secret, um, or sensitive car- car- compartmented information. So things that, again, now that he's a public citizen, you don't have. The list also included four sets of top secret documents, three sets of secret documents, and three sets of confidential documents, uh, but did not disclose the contents of what is on those documents, obviously. Uh, They took roughly 20 boxes in total. They also took binders of photos, handwritten notes, and an executive grant of clemency for Roger Stone, as well as information about the president of France, France, Macron. Um, Trump did issue a statement 
on Friday saying that, number one, it was all declassified. Number two, they didn't need to seize anything. They could have had it at any time and wanted they wanted without playing politics and breaking into Mar-a-Lago. It was a secured storage with an additional lock put on as per request. They could have had it any time they wanted, and that includes long ago, all they had to do was ask. Yeah, I'm sure that's all they had to do. He would have told them no right away. Well, here's the thing, is that the National Archive had been requesting them to be returned for several months, asking, hey, can you give back these documents that you took? And he was refusing to do that. Weird. After he was being subpoenaed for them, he started giving some of them back, but he still did not give all of them back. So now at this point, if you are the federal government and you have someone who has these classified documents that you know that they have and they're not giving them to you, how do you get them back? The way that they just did it. You get a warrant, the FBI goes in and fucking takes it, right? Well, you know what's weird is that I had seen a tweet and I can't remember verbatim what it what it said um, because it had some like onion language in it. Yeah. Um, but the main premise of the tweet was that the only reason to take these documents is for treason and not for a keepsake, not for like, oh, hey – I get to read over this. It's to sell them. It's treasonous is the only reason you could really think of to keep these documents. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to jump to the conclusion that uh, he was trying to be treasonous because I'm just, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to believe in that, but it's a good argument to be made. That's, that's really the only reason that you would keep those. Yes. Cause like literally what other, reasoning would you have to take that with you none um his defense of saying that like it's been declassified because he says he declassified them makes no sense some of these documents especially the ones that they had to get a warrant in order to search his house for are things that have to have additional levels of clearance in order to be declassified he can't do it himself other people also have to sign off on it so that, it, oh, they're declassified. It's fine if I have them. Uh, no, other people also need to agree with you in order for that to actually happen. See, and this is exactly the reason why. I, 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 I know going into his first election, a big reason of why a lot of people supported him is because he's not the typical politician, right? He's going to be himself. He's going to tell you what it is. I mean, great. Understandable. But this is exactly why you have people who understand politics is because he's probably under the belief that the president can do whatever the hell he wants. And our founding fathers distinctly made sure that that wasn't the case. Yes. And so you're not like Putin. You can't just do whatever you want and think that it's okay because that's not how our form of government works. Yeah. Um, the last little bit about this I thought was interesting is that included in the search warrant was the ability for the FBI to search P Trump's personal safe, which requires substantial evidence in order to be approved by a judge. So when you go into a judge to be like, I want a warrant to go search a place, you have to have enough evidence for them to be like, okay, yes, that's warranted. Personal safes are not usually seen to many people. So the fact that the FBI got a warrant to search his personal safe means that likely someone close to Trump had broken ranks and had 
notified the FBI that they needed to include Trump's personal safe in the search in order to obtain those documents, which is awesome. <laughs> I have two more points on this. Um, one is I had seen this as well as that Republicans. I, I think we've talked about this before. I don't remember if we've talked about it on here um, that Republicans have said, Things that they're going to do once they get the majority back, right? Uh, they were going to look into the January 6th committee. Yeah. Another thing they had said after this Mar-a-Lago thing was that once they rege- regain the majority on Congress, they were going to investigate the Department of Justice now. Mm-hmm. I actually – this is another tangent that I'm just remembering is that I saw Marjorie Taylor Greene said defund the FBI. Oh, that's a huge talking point going around. Yeah. Yeah, of defunding the FBI. Odd, the party that backs the blue and hates right. defund the police is like, no, let's defund the federal police. Yeah. Um, but this one I find really funny. So I had just gotten back from vacation. My grandma's a southerner, lives in North Carolina, very Republican. Mm-hmm. They were watching the news. I'm like, all right, well, that's already a bad idea. But they were talking about the Mar-a-Lago thing. <laughs> and she goes, why don't they just leave Trump alone? And I'm just thinking to myself, well, you, you see, this incident right here is exactly why they won't leave him alone. It's not that they're trying to pick anything that they can. It's this is a problem. He has broken the law. Right. If you were to break the law, what would happen to you? Right. It, it's not like he he took a book that was like an encyclopedia that had like the presidential seal on it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like a dictionary. It's classified documents. Uh, There's a big reason why they're not leaving him alone. It's because he's doing a lot of shit that he shouldn't be doing. Something that the uh, Republican party has been trying to do. I saw too, is that they're trying to obviously spread fear of like, well, if this happens to Trump, this can happen to anybody. You're it's, right. It's always been able to happen to everybody. It can always happen to anybody. Not just because now this is happening to such a high-profile person does it matter. It's like, no, they could always do this. If you break the law in a way where the federal government needs to be involved, they're going to investigate you. That's right. not nothing new. No, it, it's more common for us, the we little people, to be getting subpoenas from the federal government. It's a huge deal if yeah. the president is. It, most of the time, those people are untouchable. Yes. It's a huge deal that he is not untouchable anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, people are so dumb. They will believe anything that their uh, their uh, representatives will say without thinking about it. And I know I tagged you in something earlier today about Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, I can't remember what it is. but It was solar panels. Yeah. How, she was saying how yeah. she didn't want to have... Uh, our electricity good run on solar panels because when it's nighttime, where's our electricity? It's like, oh, sweetie, I don't think you understand. Just because the sun's gone doesn't mean there's not any like solar energy in the sky. Also, if that's your fear, it's they're on all day. We have light during the day. I'm sure it could have enough to run us through the night if that's your concern. I'm so glad you saw it because I totally forgot to ask you about it before we got on here, but she never fails to be fucking dumb. You're right. It just, Oh, I could not believe it. And when I saw that, I was like, I got to share this with you. (laughs) All right. Uh, next thing of politics is that president Biden had his big inflation bill passed. So it's basically another version of the build back better that had failed. Um, but now, 
has gotten this one passed. So the House has passed a sweeping tax, health, and climate bill on Friday, giving Democrats and President Joe Biden a major win uh, less than three months before the midterm elections. The chamber approved the more than $430 billion package uh, by a 220 to 207 margin along party lines. Uh, its provisions were, are estimated to raise $737 billion over the next 10 years. And Democrats say that the bill would also reduce the deficit by more than $300 billion. Uh, the plan includes a record $369 billion in spending on climate and energy policies uh, projected to slash the country's carbon emissions by roughly 40% by 2030. It also allocates $64 billion to extend an Affordable Care Act program to reduce insurance costs. The bill would also empower Medicare to negotiate prices on 100, or sorry, yeah, 100 drugs over the next decade, um, among other reforms that the Senate estimates will bring in $265 billion by doing so. Um, and then the last little bit here, on the tax side of this bill, it would impose a 15% corporate alternative minimum tax aimed toward rich corporations. Uh, it would also spend $80 billion on boosting the IRS tax enforcement and uh, compliance capabilities, uh, a move that the Congressional Budget Office estimates will yield $124 billion in revenue. Democrats also added it is an excess tax on stock buybacks that is projected to bring in $74 billion. So... Obviously, these things take time. That's why they're saying over the next 10 years, hopefully all of this can happen. Who knows what's going to happen at midterms or going into the presidential election in 2024 or whether or not this actually happens. But as of right now, it does seem like that a lot of good is happening where you're bringing in a decent amount of money. You're at least trying to tax the things and people that should be taxed a little bit more um, and then making it more compatible for people to get health insurance and at least try to get lower costs for medications. The only thing that I have on here is, I mean, you read everything of what it would be doing in the numbers. And I think a lot of this has potential to be good. And I wish there was more bipartisanship, but I mean, that's just how it is right now. Yeah. But I'm weary of it because of all the potential it has, I don't see it being around long once the Republicans get back the White House and the Congress, which to me, with how things are going, kind of seems inevitable. I mean, but for now, to get a step forward, it's just the the issue, especially with taxes and how Republicans see taxes and honestly some Democrats see taxes is when you say, oh, we're going to tax the rich – most people think they're talking about $400,000 or more, which just isn't the case. These are the big wigs. Right. It's like the Jeff Bezos kind of people who piss on $50 million and think it's fine. Yeah. But another reason why they're so up in arms about it is because they think, well, this could be me one day. Sorry about it. It's probably not. Yeah, it's not going to affect you in, in the way that you think it is. And on top of that, too, is like if you do get to that level, right, what are you going to do with that? My girlfriend and I were talking about this. What do people do with this kind of money? 
you cannot spend it fast enough. You just can't. No. So even if you do get $100 million a year or, God forbid, a billion dollars a year, what are you actually going to do with it? Why is it that paying taxes so that your country can live better is a bad thing? Yeah. In essence, this also helps close tax loopholes, which the super wealthy do use in order to pay as little taxes as they can. Right. And corporations as well. So, and it's all trying to make sure that the corporations that are here who are essentially in a way exploiting the country to their benefit and then just reaping every single award possible, hold them in check a little bit, have them pay more. And then obviously the majority of the population that gets better assistance programs. The last point I'll say on this is I actually had a conversation with one of our clients at the bank and he did bring up a good point, but he said, Things that a lot of people don't understand is that when you start taxing corporations like this, they're just going to up their prices because they're going to keep their same bottom line, which is true. But then my argument to this is, I guess, the more lefted liberal, how dare you kind of thing is, why do you need the same bottom line? Yeah. What is so god awful that you're missing at what? $10 million in revenue. I mean, that sounds like a lot to a lot of people, but in the course of a company, like a big company, let's say Amazon, missing $10 million is really not that big of a deal if you're trying to help the majority of people. And that kind of line of thinking is almost trying to put it on the side of like, oh, it's okay for them to do that then. Right. Why would it be okay of like, oh, so we're raising taxes on corporations and the billionaires that should pay those taxes, but then in return, they're just going to make things more expensive for us. So you're okay with them doing that? Exactly. I don't understand why that would be the crux. It's Yeah. I don't to get some it extent, if you are making that much money, obviously you can live well beyond your means. I mean, fucking Elon Musk wants to move to Mars. And he has the money. Let he let him. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> just let him. But he has the money to do so. Right. He'll fuck around and piss away however many billions of dollars that he wants. Wouldn't that be nice if some of those billions of dollars went to fixing your local road? I mean, it just makes more sense that right. way. Um, getting into other news, um, not so much political. Um, Alex Jones had a trial, first of a few that I know of. Three. Yeah. That I saw. Um, where... They actually had a decision made in his defamation case. Which did not take very long. It did not. Um, So a Texas jury ordered the conspiracy theorist Alex Jones on Friday, August 5th, to pay the parents of a child killed in the 2012 Sandy Hook school shooting $45.2 million in punitive damages for spreading the lie that they helped stage the massacre. Um. However, they don't think that he'll actually be a, end up having to pay that much in punitive damages because Texas law does cap punitive damages at two times the comp- compensatory damages plus 70, $750,000. So obviously in litigation, it's probably going to get bumped way down, but yeah. obviously these parents are still going to get paid a large sum of money for the lies that he's been spreading. Um he was found liable last year for defaming the victims' uh, families while spreading bogus theories that the shooting had been part of the government plot 
uh, to confiscate Americans' firearms and that the victims' families had been complicit in the scheme. Uh, during the trial, Jones had to be told several times that the judge presiding over the trial, had, that he was perjuring himself and that he needed to stop. Did you hear about that? No, I didn't. So there were points where he was uh, on the stand and he was lying. He was perjuring himself. Um, and at some point, the judge had to like kind of stop the trial for a second and speak to him directly and be like, I don't think you understand that when you're up here, you cannot lie. You have to tell the truth. And his response was that, um, I believe what I say is the truth. And the judge was like, yes, you believe what you are saying is true, but it isn't. Your beliefs don't make something true. And had to basically baby him of like, either stop lying or we're going to hold you in contempt. And it doesn't even matter what you say or what your defense is. If you're going to keep lying, it's bullshit. Um, his legal team also made the error of sending the prosecution all of his text messages on his phone. Did you hear about that? I did hear about that one, yeah. To the point where then they brought it up in their case and the judge allowed it because they're like, you fucking gave it to him. Yeah, I'm going to let him allow it. Why would you be that dumb to then send the prosecution text messages that you're trying to withhold? Makes no sense. Um, he also would host episodes of Infowars after each day of the trial, where then he would say that the jury does not know who he is, which is kind of the point of having an impartial jury is they're not supposed to really know or have influence to make their decision. Um, and then he even called the judge in the trial a pedophile, which is defaming a judge, which is what he's on trial for is defaming people. I don't think this guy understands what kind of world he's in right now. Nope. Dude, just be shit. Yeah. A complete piece of shit. I mean, I don't understand what your line of thinking would be to call a judge a pedophile on your show. Don't get me wrong. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. I have no problem with that. But again, free speech has its limits. And he's breaking them. He's breaking them and literally being shown in the courtroom right. like, you need to fucking stop. You have. Every right to have your opinion. And it could be dead wrong. And that's fine. But as long as it's not detrimental to people's livelihood, which is exactly what he's doing, mm -hmm. that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. And he doesn't think it's a problem. No. But I can almost guarantee you if it, the roles were reversed and someone was uh, defaming him, huge problem. Yeah. Um, also because of those text messages being sent to the prosecution, obviously there was text messages about his involvement with the January 6th insurrection that the prosecution has turned over to the government, uh, for them to look at, to see what his involvement was. So he might be investigated for that too now. Lovely. Yeah. What an idiot. Um, last little bit of news before we do our surprise topics. Uh, Brittany Greiner was sentenced to prison officially um, in the Moscow judge court system, whatever the fuck they call it over there. I don't know. Um, she was sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison after being found guilty of drug possession and smuggling. Uh, her defense team has issued an appeal to that sentencing um, amidst the Russian and United States government still trying to work out uh, prisoner exchange talks. So... That's the latest news on that situation, which still blows my mind that they're yeah. even in that situation. Yeah. Nine years for that seems a little excessive. I, marijuana and like 
Russia is like 100% illegal. Right. Still think it's excessive, but yeah, whatever. I live in a more liberal, <laughs> a kind of more liberal country. Well, yeah, I was not as bad as Russia, but... <laughs> Uh, going into the surprise topics, Eric's been talking a while, so I'll just go ahead and jump into mine. I labeled mine the Russo-Ukrainian War is getting chippy. Ooh. Yeah. So I, I'm probably going to butcher this name, but the Saki, S-A-K-Y, military base in Russian-controlled Crimea was bombed on last Tuesday by either a rocket system or special forces. Ukraine hasn't claimed responsibility yet, but it's highly speculated that it was Ukraine. If it was, in fact, a rocket that had created the explosion, it speaks a dark tale for the Russians because it would prove that their S-400 air defense system has failed. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, that proves bad for the Russians because it means that they are susceptible to being attacked by the air and take away the quote-unquote safety blanket that Russian soldiers have, depleting their morale even further. (laughs) The attack happened in broad daylight. And reports have it that nine Russian aircrafts were destroyed. So, I mean, ballsy to do it in the middle of the day. Yeah, but I mean, if their system's not going to stop it, then I guess... It doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, Russia has been has described the incident to their country as a mishandling of explosives, but a mishandling of explosives would not have taken out nine planes. Yeah, unless it was severely... <laughs> clustered grouped together right explosives and the planes (laughs) like what kind of stupid housing are you doing for that the thing that to me is the most crazy is that russian civilians were on a beach about 60 miles away and the war became very very real to them and it was proving that their country was losing and that uh crimea is still a part of the ukraine at least if ukraine has anything to say about it yeah so i couldn't even imagine hearing bombs like that very, very close to me. I'd be shitting my pants, man. It's like, I mean, in retros- 60 miles, right. that's still far. I know, but they would, they were hearing it yeah. is the problem. Mm-hmm. That's a very long way away. That's an hour drive. Yes. And they could hear it. Mm-hmm. That's like literally from here to Cedar Rapids, I would be able to hear it and I'd be texting you like, dude, you're right. Dude, what the fuck? Right. Interesting. So it's getting chippy, man. Yeah. All, I mean, all the power to Ukraine, I guess. Yeah. Um, mine is entitled the kindergartner removed from private school. Um, so a couple in De Quincey, Louisiana went viral after they shared on social media that their daughter's school told them that she could no longer attend because they are in a same sex marriage. Um, Jennifer Parker and Emily Parker were told by school officials that their daughter, Zoe, uh, would not be able to attend the start of the school year. They quote said, We got called into the principal's office for a meeting. They informed us that Zoe wouldn't be able to go to school there anymore because of our lifestyle choices, Jennifer Parker says. The couple adopted Zoe on August 3rd, and by the weekend, they were told that that she was no longer allowed to attend the Bible Baptist Academy School. Here's the kicker, though, and it's kind of heartbreaking to hear this, is that the only reason why they adopted Zoe was because it is Jennifer's five-year-old niece after Zoe's father was killed in an industrial accident in 2020. So you have the same-sex couple. Jennifer has a brother that has Zoe as the daughter. He dies in an accident. 
takes a couple years in order for them to actually adopt and get custody of this child. They do. And now the school is saying, well, now that she's a part of that family because it's two lesbians, we, we can't have her in school. Pretty shitty. And this is just another great reason why private schools blow. Exactly. Um, the Bible Baptist Academy said in a statement that the school is committed to instructing and living in accordance with the teachings of Scripture. Um, the school says that this should not be taken as a sign of hatred, but that they are just committed to loving all people as they are to holding to the Bible, the Bible's principles uh, that people may not agree with or may not understand. Okay. Um, I will argue this, not in defense of them. But if you want to kick somebody out because they're gay, because it goes against your Bible, I get it. I don't at all, actually, <laughs> but fine, whatever. This little girl is not gay that we, under, that we know of. True. She's five. So why is her being there harmful to you? Because she might be straight. But yeah. because her parents are, her adoptive parents are, it's it's her fault. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, you're punishing the child for nothing. Right. Um, the Parkers did say that the community has given them a lot of overwhelming support and say that this is a blessing in disguise because Zoe can now attend a school that is closer to home and make new friends. Good. Yeah. All right, moving into entertainment um, with some sad news starting off. Uh, actress, singer Olivia Newton-John died. Uh, age 73 this past week from my understanding it was kind of complications with her resurgence of cancer that she has been fighting for like literal decades and has gone into remission a few different times but unfortunately keeps coming back stronger and she was not able to overcome i don't know if you saw john travolta's uh, message to her but it was really heartfelt i did not see it you should look it up sometime it was it was really heartfelt okay really short but it, it was to the point uh, another thing is I watched The Gray Man. It's a Netflix original, has Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans in it. Um, it's rated 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, and I think it deserves to be higher than that, personally. Um, shot by the Russo brothers, who did all a lot of the Avengers movies. Um, I thought it was a really good action movie and had some, I mean, it had some predictable moments, but all in all, I thought it was really well done. Uh, fight scenes were done well. Uh, dialogue was actually pretty good, so... Give it a look if you haven't. And then I guess we're going to move into our bad movie plot guesses. We're going to start narrowing these down to three, actually. So Eric only has three for me today. Yeah. All right. So my three, and I I know for sure you've seen two of these. Okay. So the third one, um, I will best of luck. hopefully you have. Yeah, <laughs> best of luck. All right. First one. Former railroad worker becomes sheriff and saves a town from a corrupt politician. This is Blazing Saddles. This is Blazing Saddles. Okay. Yep. Good. Okay. That's. I knew you saw that one. <laughs> uh, next one. Godson of crazed scientist returns to his roots and befriends a live dead man by performing song and dance routine. This is Young Frankenstein. Yeah. Wrong Frankenstein, but yes. Whatever. Frankenstein. Yeah. Okay. Good. That was the other one. Are we just doing Gene Wilder today? No. <laughs> Not Gene Wilder. Okay. Last one. Imprisoned Archer returns home to Repode Castle and enters a tournament to win the virginity of a princess. Okay, so this is easily a knight's thing. I'm guessing go with a knight's tale. 
No. Oh. Robin Hood Men in Tights. That was it was gonna it was either be that or Robin Hood something. So So it's all, right. all Mel Brooks movies. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh yeah. I was thinking that there was Doesn't try- it have Carrie Ellis in it? Who? Carrie Ellis. The guy who's in Princess Bride? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. That's I, Carrie Ellis. Gotcha. All I right. know his face, not his name. All right, well, now you know his name. <laughs> and uh, social events going on here in the Midwest. We got three of them. We have the Venetian Festival in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, from August 17th through 21st. Uh, it is a festival that includes a carnival, arts and crafts fair, firefighter water fight, and on Sunday, uh, next Sunday, the 21st, a water ski show followed by lighted boat parades and fireworks. Uh, after that, we have the Sweet Corn Festival in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, from August 17th to 21st as well. A Wednesday night parade kicks off the festival just north of Madison. There's also a craft fair, car show, tractor pull, music, carnival rides, and on Saturday and Sunday, literally tons of steamed sweet corn. Yes. Uh, and then the last one, we have the Kai Chai Saga Days. I have no idea if I fucking butchered that. Uh, that's kind of how I would say it. Just All right. Just the big pause in there. Uh, in the Casago City, Minnesota, from August 18th through the 21st. Uh, the fest is a town just north of St. Paul. Features a skateboard contest at craft fair, Swedish dancers, a pieing contest, and then fireworks Saturday night and a parade at 2 p.m. on Sunday. That's very hodgepodge. I know, but Swedish the, dancers and skateboarding contest to me is just really weird. It must be a town that has Swedish roots. The skateboarding throws me. I don't know. Yeah, It'd be cool know. to see. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I figured those would be probably some fun events to go to if you're up in Minnesota or Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, all right, going into our unpopular opinions. Did you want to start off? Sure. All right. I have no notes on this, just it's pure instinct. The U.S. needs to adopt and make the standard of a 24-hour clock. Okay. Fuck a.m. and p.m., just all 24-hour. Hmm. It would save so much time. How? Because do you know how many times... Like, if collectively, the amount of times I've had discussions with people and it's like, oh, I need to do this at, like, 8, and they're like, a.m. or p.m. Having that discussion, then saying a.m. or p.m., I know, it's like, what, two seconds, three seconds? But think of how much time you've had to do that. Like, you probably waste a year or two of your life just saying a.m. or p.m. and having that small-ass discussion with somebody. Nah, I doubt it. Nah. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) to me, it just, it makes more sense. It's like... If you're saying 2100, all right, 9 p.m. I mean, it would, I'm, I'm not going to say it would have its, you know, backtracks. Like, it would take a little bit of time for everyone to get used to it, but it would just be so much easier. I'd be one of those people. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I mean, I understand how the system works, and obviously you just add on to the difference between 12 and whatever time you're saying, and there you go. That's what it would be technically 9 p.m. or whatever. I get that. Um, for me, it's just easier to say 3 p.m. Phonetically, even 3 p.m. and 2100 hours, shorter, my way. Well, considering that 3 p.m. and 2100 is not the same thing. I'm just saying, in general, if you were to say... 15? Yeah. Whatever. 1500 hours or 3 p.m. Well, you don't have to say 1500 hours. You can just say 15. 1500. Just say see 15. You, see you at 15? Yeah. What? No. <laughs> See you at 15. 
The fifteenth of which month? <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> okay, good argument. <laughs> I still like the twenty-four hour clock better. All right. Um, mine is uh, again. I have I have some notes, but it's not really like facts. It's just I'm my, just gonna it's my agree opinion. with you up front with this. Oh yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I think sometimes children should not be allowed in public. Um, and this is just because recently I've been out in public where children have been either screaming uncontrollably or they've just been unsupervised from the get-go. Um, and I think parents are supposed to control their kids while they're in public. Control being a very strict term, I guess. Let's just say parent. Parents. Um, I understand that parenting can be hard. I obviously don't have kids of my own. Uh, and kids can't will be kids. I get that they're kind of rambunctious and they get to kind of I shouldn't say get to, but they just kind of do whatever they fucking want. I understand that. Um, But for some reason, I've been seeing and hearing way more outbursts just as of like the last couple of weeks. And that's why I may think about this. Um, If you're a parent, you're not able to manage your child or children, then maybe you shouldn't have them out in public. Right. Is my opinion. Um, Behaviors displayed in public are not just one-time things. They're probably things that are obviously happening at home too. So parents be parents. This, I mean, we've talked about this on mic, off mic. To me, the biggest reason for this crap is because parents want to be friends rather than mentors and role models. Yeah. You're not there to be your fucking child's friend. You're there to show them the way of the world. You're there to show them how to behave like a decent human being. And then coddling them and kissing their ass just because you don't want to deal with it is not the way to fucking go about it. Yes. Because then if somebody says something in public, holy shit, they freak out because, well, you're telling me I'm a bad parent. You're, you're challenging my parenting stuff. You're fucking right I am. Yeah, your kid's screaming and rolling around on the floor. Right. Can you please do something about yeah, that? If, if you're used to it, whatever. But guess what? No one else should have to deal with that out in public because we're not out here to deal with your screaming ass kid. Yeah. Preach, brother. Thank you for agreeing with me. <laughs> I know I'm the one that's least agreeable between the two of us on our opinions, so... All right. Thank you for staying with it. Um, and then finishing up here with this day in history for August 15th, starting with the most recent and going back the furthest in time. Um, just a few years ago, in 2019, Disney Studios is the first studio to have five films earn over a billion dollars in one year. Where they had Toy Story 4, Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, and Aladdin, and then the Lion King. I'm just saying Aladdin and the Lion King should not have grossed $1 billion because it was literally a carbon copy of the animated ones, just live action. Yes. Stupid. Yeah. I did not see the Lion King. I did see Aladdin, and it was bad. Okay. And well, it should not Will have Smith was, billion. Will Smith was okay, but it was definitely not yeah. Robin Williams. Um, 1967, the Woodstock Festival opens up in Bethel, New York on Max Yasger's dairy farm. Uh, 1945, victory over Japan Day is declared where the Japanese surrender and it's the official end of World War II is announced. Um, obviously it was, this is in Asia and Japan, the 15th, but in the United States it was the 14th because of time zone difference. In 1939, The Wizard of Oz, which is American musical fantasy film directed by Victor Fleming and King Vidor, uh, premieres at Grauman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. And then in 1906, 
King Edward VII of Great Britain visits German Emperor Wilhelm II to discuss the escalating rivalry between their nation's naval forces um, as a way of kind of quelling any type of tensions before World War I, ultimately just to fail. Yep. Yep. And then famous birthdays, Jennifer Lawrence, the actress, Joe Jonas, the singer-songwriter, Ben Affleck, the actor, Anthony Anderson, the actor and producer. He was the one that was uh, doing, like, producing and acting in Blackish. Ah. Um, and then Bobin Marginovic. That's... Bobin. You, do you want me to say it? Sure. Boban Marjanovic. Cool. The NBA player. I don't... Okay. It's the Slavs, Okay. I don't necessarily think that the Slavs have real names. <laughs> Sorry for anyone out there who is Slavic, but it's... I love that you butcher names so much. It just it, it brings me happiness. It really does. Well, it's really just... <laughs> no, it's... Every... It's really just the Balkan states. You call <laughs> Griner Grenier. Okay, fine. It's also my dyslexia for that one. I but know. for a lot of these, the NBA players I fuck up on, <laughs> it's because they're from the Balkan states. Yeah, my brother actually asked me, because he listens to this every week, he's like, does, does he have, like, dyslexia? I'm like, yes, he does. He's like, oh. I do, yes, I do, <laughs> but also fuck the Balkan states. Um, all right, well, that'll be this week's episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, please, again, spread the word and encourage others to listen. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1, or you can send us an email at de- DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com. And you can listen to the, de- the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And with that, your detention has been served, and we will see you again next week. <laughs>